Welcome to the Born and Raised Audio Experience. Presented by Onyx. Welcome back to the Audio Experience. Brought to you by Onyx Maps, guys. We've got two special guests on our hands today, and I'm just going to let you guys introduce. we got Mike and Ryan with us. And uh, I just want you guys to introduce yourselves and just kind of give your background of what we're going to talk about today. Great. Go ahead, Ryan. All right. Uh, so, hello, I'm Ryan Muncy. Um, I'm going to give you guys the, the short version of this. Um, I've got a degree in food science and human nutrition from Clemson University. Um, I've owned my own performance training facility called House of Strength for three and a half years, uh, sold that. Um, I've written a book. Uh, are we allowed to cuss on here? Uh, just kind of do a bleep or, or, or that. Okay. All right. So let's just say the, the book is called F Your Feelings. Um, I'm the co-founder of uh, the Better Human Project and uh, currently work as a, a speaker and consultant for performance-focused uh, teams and individuals around the world. So that could be elite military and law enforcement groups, Olympic and professional athletes, uh, business executives, um, what anything that we would kind of call high performers. Cool. Cool. That's a serious background. Wow. <laughs> Mike, what I've got? always, I've, I've always been fascinated by human performance and human potential. And so, you know, that's kind of, uh, that, that's why we're here today too. And, and you'll, you'll hear as that, you know, that'll come out in, you know, uh, where I stand, where we stand and, and, and what we're kind of talking about and trying to bring to uh, backcountry hunters and, and athletes. Coffee. Mike, bring it, buddy. So I'm Mike Lum. Nice to meet you all. Good to see you. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I uh, grew up hunting and fishing um, since I was a little kid. Uh, my family's from North Dakota, so my, some of my earliest memories are seeing my dad and hanging out with my dad, hunting whitetails and ducks and geese and whatnot. So I've, that's a big part of my background, kind of more of the traditional, you know, eat whatever, do whatever, go hunting. It's, it's great fun, family time, whatever. Um, I'm, I'm now in Bozeman, Montana. I've been here for now since the early nineties, um, came up here to finish college and, uh, kind of got pulled away from that, uh, with the, with the hunting and fishing here. So I've been doing that for a long time. Um, and my wife and I, uh, we met here in Montana, um, and we started having kids a little bit later. I just turned 50. My daughter's nine, uh, turned 50 this fall. Um, and kind of that whole process, I kind of figured out that I needed to really start doing stuff a little bit differently as far as, you know, my health and whatnot, you know, keeping up with my daughter and taking her hunting and teaching her how to do all this outdoor stuff. Um, and I just kind of realized that I couldn't keep doing uh, things the way I've been doing them. So I really kind of dug in deep to nutrition and a little more technical fitness stuff and really got myself dialed in and really started to feel a lot better than I'd ever felt in my life. I mean, I feel better now at 50 than I did ever in my thirties and probably most of my twenties too. Um, and you know, just, just to really with the idea of keeping up with my daughter and being healthy for a long time. Um, and seeing how that translated into what I do on a day-to-day -day basis, whether it's hunting or fishing or whatever, um, you know, I really 
uh, came to a, a point where I, re- I wanted to help other people do that. And so I got a coaching certification and now I, I, uh, I run a, a business here myself called uh, YouTube coaching here in Bozeman, Montana. And I, I coach people like really everyday people, not particularly athletes. I've coached athletes. I've coached sort of, you know, uh, parents, moms and dads, and, you know, people are going to going to do office jobs and whatever, just on how to, how to really dial in your overall health and wellness and, and nutrition. And, um, it's really, I, I can tell you, um, really makes a difference for people pretty, pretty quickly. And it's these small little things that you can do to change the way you're going about things that really can make a, a huge impact on how you perform. So really, really interesting to me and, and, uh, um, translates pretty well to some of the stuff we do. Yeah, I think. Uh, go ahead. Good. Yeah, no, I love it. Cause I'm in a, I'm in a spot in my life, honestly, where, um, with kids, with the, the chaos of life, business, my physical side and diet side is in the worst it's ever been in, you know, just because I had not made it a commitment and haven't like, so I'm really kind of interested to dive in on the philo- philosophical side of it, the mental, you know, where, how to prep yourself mentally to say, yeah, I'm going to commit to this set forth. And then, you know, actually some of the, the tangible sides of it of what you guys implement. So really excited for this combo. And it's a big question we get. We get that a lot as far as um, on email and people, you know, just at DMing or whatever. What do you guys do to get in physical shape to go hunt 50 days straight? You know, <laughs> the answer sometimes is a lot different depends on who, I mean, we, we all do some, you know, working out and stuff like that. Like Cody said though, it is, it, it's, it's something that you just got to do. I mean, I don't know. I think you, you said it best, Mike. It's like, you know, I wanted to be able to keep up with my daughter. I wanted to keep, you know, be able to keep doing those things. And, and you don't look 50 at all. We're on Zoom right now, by the way. And so we can see everybody in the conversation. You don't look 50. Thank I will you. say that. Thank you. So, <laughs> so do you, you guys, so as far as the backcountry hunter, what would, what would be some great tips? And we could go through like the, calories, you know, calories in, calories out kind of stuff. Uh, what, what are you guys, what's your kind of uh, teaching method on that as far as that goes? Um, I mean, the first thing I'd like to say, um, I'll try to get to your question a little bit more, but um, is Ryan and I both um, are very understanding about working with people and where, where they may be coming from and what their background is. So we really focus on uh, being non-dogmatic like we're not going to tell you like you need to eat this certain way or do this certain thing you know and and we're not going to tell you like you need to jump in with both feet and do this all of this right now right we, we want this to really be accessible and doable for everybody that's sort of a core principle that I think we Ryan and I both agree on um, because you know I mean uh, as a gym owner Ryan's real familiar with this you guys might have tried dieting or tried you know changing your nutrition at times and it's it's hard and if you you don't think about you know how to do it in a way that it's going to become habitual you really probably not going to stick to it very long you know you might go on a certain diet for a certain amount of time and get a certain result or not and then all of a sudden it just goes away so I think one of the one of the really important things uh, to think about when you're you know you're going to start something like this if you're going to try to you know shift how you're doing things is to do it incrementally do it in small steps, you know, make small changes, you know, over the course of time and really create habits around it. 
Um, and, you know, so it's not something you have to really think about or, you know, uh, there's willpower is sort of a finite resource. And a lot of people rely on willpower a lot, probably a lot more than they should. But really the idea of having willpower and just I'm going to I'm going to power through and do it. Sure, you can make stuff happen that way. But ultimately, willpower itself is a finite resource and, and you're you tend to run out at pretty inopportune times. So I, from my perspective, I think that's a real core principle of what we're what we're about. Ryan, what would you add to that? Yeah, there's, I mean, that's a really good way to start this conversation. And a couple of things I would uh, add to that or, or just kind of piggyback on, you know, uh, what Mike is saying about willpower or, or motivation. Um, you know, if, if we're always having to rely on motivation to, um, you know, go practice or go train or do whatever it is that we need to do to reach our ultimate uh, outcome, um, you know, we all know that, that that's setting ourselves up for failure. And this is a big thing that I talk about. And, and really one of the things that made me explore and write the book and, you know, told you the title is F your feelings. And, you know, essentially what I want people to walk away from that book or anything that they encounter uh, from me in terms of a teaching experience is, you know, to, to learn how to align your actions with your values. Um, you know, and this is something that can uh, can be demonstrated in, you know, do you get up and do your training sessions when you're supposed to? Do you, uh, you know, help your kids with their homework? Uh, you know, are you showing up as a father, as a husband, uh, you know, the way that you really, really want to? Um, you know, are you, uh, you know, if you're looking at your Onyx map and you're, you know, across a property boundary and you're on private land and there's nobody around, what do you do, right? I mean, this, this is, uh, it's, it's an overarching thing that shows up in every aspect of our life. Um, you know, the consistency that Mike talked about, we eat every single day, every single thing that you put into your body is sending a signal to your cells, to your hormones, and it's impacting how you function, not only today, but in six months and down the road. And we want, you know, to, like Mike said, and, and like Cody said, we want to be able to do this with, with our kids, you know, for, for years to come, um, and, you know, that's where the conversation really kind of goes from here is a lot of the initial pushback that we might get from, you know, somebody who's been a backcountry hunter for 20 years says, you know, or, or 10 years or whatever it is, you know, well, I've got the way I do it and it works for me, right? Um, being in the backcountry is, you know, we know we're going to be in a caloric deficit. It's not a time to be worried about your, your uh, diet or weight loss. And, and we agree that that's not our approach. We're not worried about, you know, following a diet or, you know, whether or not you lose weight or, or anything like that while you're in the backcountry. We just want folks to understand what we've said already, that everything you eat is sending a signal to your body. It has a physiological impact um, on your cells, on your hormones, you know, your, your fatigue levels. Um, you know, there's things that we can do to combat inflammation, help you become a better decision maker, both on and off the mountain. Um, you know, so from a, from a philosophical standpoint, we want to help people eat in a way that supports their goals and their values and, and the person that they want to be for years to come. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting. Like you guys' approach that kind of ties back, uh, and it's not just talking about diet here, exercise, but this overarching, you know, uh, and these words that we, we've always used, Trent and I remember the interview with Garrett talking about thoughts, words, actions, habits, character, mm -hmm. like, like that all kind of ties in, you know, on this overarching, it's, you can't just plug and play eating food and thinking that 
things are going to change, but it's this like great, bigger, broader picture. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's more of a lifestyle thing, right? I mean, for sure. Yeah. And that's what Ryan, Ryan mentioned consistency and really that's, that's what it's all about. And that's why I think you have to build, build habits around it and not just, you know, it's, it's just like, you know, eating one candy bar isn't going to, you know, make you pre-diabetic, right? Eating, eating one candy bar every day for a year has that potential, right? I mean, we, like Ryan said, we, the, one of the few things we do every single day from the day we're born to the day we die is eat, you know, and, and what we choose to put in our bodies over the course of a long period of time is really what it's about. It's not these one-off little things. And, you know, it's, it's really that consistency. And, you know, that's, that's why it's this ongoing process of, okay, what can I do now? What can I do today or tomorrow or next week to build on these habits? Can I like, you know, not have, I can have one less diet Coke today, or I can have one less whatever, or I can eat one more of this, you know, and over the course of time, you don't even have to think about it. It's just easy. It's something that, you know, that, that becomes a habit and we just do, you know, I think one of the, one of the things I, I talk to my clients about when I'm coaching is, is we got to where we're at, um, whether we can talk about nutrition or talk about the food we eat, we got to where we're at currently by a series of, of events that we probably didn't really think about, right? We eat what we eat on an everyday basis because that's what we've eaten because it's habit, because it's what we do. And we probably didn't put a whole lot of thought into that. Right. But if you can have change your mindset a little bit and have some thought around those things and what the potential of those things is, and, and then modify as you go a little bit, all of a sudden you are, you know, creating the same thing. You're creating a present way of eating or doing whatever, but it's with intention, right? It's, it's with the idea of you're going, you're going to perform better over the long haul. You're going to create these habits. You're going to be consistent. And so that's really, um, you know, that, that we really, I mean, I think that's a critically important idea of where to come from when, when you're starting something like this, you're doing something like this. No. And you said at first, I think you're, willpower right so you can that's what we've said a lot i mean along the way i'll be totally honest as far as you know you're, the, the mind is a power powerful thing and if you say well i can do it without as much exercise or without as much nutrition as as i can you're definitely not going to be performing at your top of the game but it still can be done depending on your you know sure or your mental fortitude is there but it's getting outside of that like you were saying i think and and, and it's just like it's it's preparing your body for that. So when it come, when the time comes, it's, it's not that shock and you don't have to use that willpower to, to get over that hump and to, you know, it's like, okay, I'm already prepped and ready to go. And it goes straight down the line with shooting your bow with, uh, you know, practice, you know, all those kind of things. Right. I mean, yeah, we've all shot bows for a long time, but if you don't shoot before season, you know, what's that look like when it's the time of truth. Right. So yeah, no, I, I, I love it. Um, so talk to me, let's, let's dive in a little bit to the nutrition side of things. Like you, I'm assuming like trainers and stuff, you have clients, correct? And stuff like that. Yeah, we, we both work with clients. Um, yeah. Um, and it really, I mean, it's certainly a lot around nutrition and, uh, you know, as far as working with clients, it's, it's really, I meet them wherever they're at. So a lot of, a lot of folks that come to me already eat, you know, quote unquote healthy and try to do things right and whatever. But, you know, I, I try to give them sort of broaden their idea of what that might mean or give them some, some tools, some more ideas, um, you know, about things they can try and, re- and really, you know, 
everybody's a little bit different. You know, I, I'm never going to tell everybody, all my clients to do the same thing, right? We, we really work together when you kind of figure out what's going to work best. And that can take some time. And it really should take some time for every individual person, right? It's, it, it's you know, physiologically, we're, we're not the same. And we're going to react to things differently. We're going to have different tastes and different, you know, um, uh, wherewithal for certain things. So, yeah, I think that's important to kind of figure out where, where someone's at, where their starting point is at. Um, you know, with this, uh, with this event, I, I uh, came up with a run and I came up with a set of questions to kind of judge your own baseline, right? And, and, you know, you answer these questions about, you know, where you are currently and you kind of get a picture of your current baseline of, you know, whether it's your nutrition and your physical fitness or your mental state or whatever. And then, you know, you can sort of answer those same questions as you go and see where you're moving and where you'd like to move things. Um, and use that as kind of a tool to judge your, you know, your own personal progress along that. So. Yeah. And I think one thing that's important is, you know, like Mike said, you know, we're, we're meeting people where they are and then trying to help them move forward wherever it is that they want to go. And that's a very individual thing. Um, just the conversation we're having here with the two of you guys, you know, it sounds like, you know, Cody and Trent are at two different places uh, and may have two different places that they would want to get to if we were working with you as individuals. Um, and I think that's one of the things that gets lost when nutrition is discussed um, at scale, right? Whether it's, you know, on social media as an influencer or, you know, in a blog post or, or in a magazine or, you know, on a podcast. And I think the thing that I always like to remind people is that, you know, if you look at this as a spectrum, right, that's a, a word that Cody used earlier. And, you know, on one end of the spectrum, you have like the person that will stare at the sun, you know, that's, that's the most extreme intensity level. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum, you have the person that, you know, is living in a cave with, you know, blackout curtains. And we all decide where on that spectrum we want to reside. And for everything that we pursue, whether we're consciously aware of it or not, we're choosing where on that spectrum we want to hold ourselves or, or what we consider the standard. You guys, you mentioned, you know, uh, shooting. So if you're a rifle hunter, if you're a bow hunter, you know, you're choosing where on that spectrum you've deemed acceptable for, okay, this is a good enough shooter to now go in the field and try to, you know, ethically harvest an animal, right? And, and wherever you decide that point is, you do the work to get to that point and hold that spot and be that good and do that thing. And same thing with nutrition. We've chosen, uh, as Mike said, usually through a series of uh, unconscious decisions, where on that spectrum we, we want to be. And for a lot of the people that we work with, you know, we use the analogy of, of kind of like corrective lenses. If you've never put any uh, focus onto eating a certain way, um, the first time that you kind of feel what we're trying to get people to feel, it's like wearing glasses or, or corrective contact lenses for the first time. And you say, wow, I didn't realize that it could be like this. I didn't realize how poor my vision was. Um, and, you know, once people start to feel that way, they start to see, you know, those steps that they can take, uh, kind of like the stones, like the, the path that you would take to cross a creek or a river, you know, okay, if I do this and this and this, then I'm going to start feeling better and I'm going to be able to do this. And, you know, 
maybe I don't have to suffer as much on these hikes or, you know, maybe I can wake up on day two and not feel like I got hit by a car. And when I climb out of my tent, you know, I'm, I'm ready to charge up that mountain again. Yeah. Um, you know, when we talk about recovery and, and anti-inflammatory foods and, you know, all these things that are helping our performance instead of, well, I just got some food in and, you know, I'm not hungry. So like th there's levels to this stuff. And, and, you know, that's what we, are really referring to when we say meet people where they are and, and kind of go from there. So I think one of the things that, that could really show you guys and the listeners how we do that would be, you know, maybe we said this before we hit record or I don't know, but you know, Cody, you, you kind of said you had some specific questions. So if you're up for it, maybe we could take you through kind of what an initial conversation might look like, you know, and, and I would just ask you uh, if you want to, you know, I would say, you know, we, when you think about your experiences in the backcountry, uh, you know, Mike mentioned that kind of questionnaire, where do you feel like you have questions or potential gaps in your food setup? Yeah, no, it's interesting. So like a little background, I um, used to get very uh, detailed in going through a spreadsheet, calories per ounce, trying to figure out diet, figuring out macros. And I, it's the only time of the year that I do it. It's just specifically for elk season archery. Um, outside of that, I, I somewhat eat, I would say decent, you know, I'm, uh, I have a sweet tooth, the, the fault of mine. If there's something in the house, uh, here, I, uh, it's one of my weaknesses. Um, and then the exercise pillar, um, prior to kids and then prior to the, uh, when I was working as an employee versus being an entrepreneur, my running schedule, I was getting in 30 to 40 miles a week plus and running, you know, five, five days a week for the most part. And was probably, I would say the peak 2013, 2014 was kind of the top of where my, like, I felt pretty invincible to just go do whatever, whenever. Um, I still feel good during season for the most part. I just know it's going to hurt more like mentally. It's like, I've been through that challenge. I know I can push through it. Um, yeah. Is the suck factor going to be more for sure. There's no doubt. Um, but I've also, I, I would say I've luckily been through all that and know what I'm going to encounter and know the uh, quit feelings that you're going to have or anything like that. And you just kind of persevere. So, you know, it's kind of one of those, um, uh, tougher mentalities versus going smart about it. And then knowing I've never really been to discover or, uh, upturn where if I was in the peak performance, where would that put me, you know, during season and what would I be able to do? So, um, I, I would say specifically like, where would I, where would you start on a, um, and I don't know if you want to dial in more on the diet side of life, or the physical activity side of life? I don't like what? Well, so I think, I mean, Mike, if, if there's a different way you want to go with this, jump in and, and correct me. But, I, you know, the, the thing that really, I guess, frustrated me was, you know, like I said, you know, I'm from Virginia. The whole Western hunting and backcountry hunting thing was new to me until last year. And, you know, when I started trying to do as much research as I could, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm the type of person that will go as far down every single rabbit hole as possible. And, you know, the thing that really 
spurred Mike and I to have these conversations on the mountain that then led to, you know, after the hunting season, you know, how do we set this up? How do we get this information out there was really, you know, every podcast that you listen to that talks about, um, you know, backpacking food or, or food for backcountry hunts, you know, I bet I could probably name 60% of what's on your spreadsheet and what's in your backpack because I'm sure that you've heard the same stuff that I've heard because it's all basically the same recommendations. And, you know, there's my intention is to not call anybody out or, or say that it's wrong, but like, again, I'll, I'll go back to that, con- that, that statement I made about, you know, the, the spectrum and where people are on the spectrum. I'm the guy that stares at the sun. Like I have probably the highest nutrition standards of anybody that you're going to meet. So <laughs> And I'm not maybe saying that. Maybe it's at me. Oh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not like, like I'm not trying to, to boast, but it's like if people spend time with me, like I'm weird. Like my, my <laughs> diet to the average person is really weird. And they're like, well, you don't eat that. Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? And, you know, it's because of what I said earlier, you know, like I, I've decided, you know, what my standards are and I'm not compromising. Um, you know, so there's a lot of foods that are recommended for backpacking that, I'm just not going to put in my body. So I've had to do a lot of research onto, you know, how am I going to meet the needs of a backcountry athlete myself? And then because that information is not out there, Mike and I, you know, want to get that out there. Mike's already, I mean, like you said, he's been doing this for 20 years. You know, he's already kind of figured out a lot of this stuff. Um, so I, I guess, um, maybe from the nutrition side, you know, if you want to go through, um, you don't even have to go through what's, what's in your spreadsheet or, or your pack list, but I can go through kind of the average pack list and, and we can talk about some of the things that we would want to avoid and why we would want to avoid those things. And then maybe talk about some of the uh, better alternatives uh, to provide options. Um, you know, how's that sound? Yeah, sounds good. Like, uh, and uh, you know, I would say for the baseline for me, I like, I didn't ever get in too detailed in the macro side of it. I would I'd consume, you know, the things I would carry would be based on the, the baseline of 100 calories per ounce, mm-hmm. um, shoot for higher. And then I basically came up with a food list that met that. And then I would literally just grab by almost by the scale to for a bag yeah. and be like, okay, my target's 14 ounces for the day, you know, plus a, a big meal, you know, and then that's my food bag for the day. Um, so how do you guys approach? Do you, do you have like a, uh, a list specific, like, here's what I'm going to pull from, or do you try to create a menu per day? How, how's, what's the process there for you? You want to take it, Mike? Go ahead, Ryan. I, I do want to add one thing uh, real quick though. Um, Cody, if one thing you said on which, which road we want to kind of go down to go down, whether it's the fitness or the nutrition road, you know, for me, those are kind of inextricably linked, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, depending on who you talk to, you know, as far as from a performance perspective, you know, some, some folks say 80 to 90% of performance is nutrition and the rest is physical fitness. Right. And so many times now you see guys that are, that are, and, and this is super legit, right? Guys are, guys are working out and they got workout programs and they're really going hard in the gym, but 
way less often do you see folks talk about nutrition from a real, you know, uh, from a, from a current scientific background and how you can dial it in. Like, like we're talking about. So I think talking about the two concurrently, I mean, they're, 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 they're one and the same for me. Mm -hmm. And, and certainly from my experience, you know, nutrition is actually more powerful you know, overall, you know, than, than just specifically fitness. So, and Ryan may have something else to say about that, but I just wanted to add that before we proceed. So go ahead, Ryan. Yeah. So, I mean, we can get it called metabolic flexibility and, you know, I'll let Mike uh, jump into that in, in just a second, but, but to his point and, and to show that fitness and nutrition are inextricably linked, you know, when we talk about the training approach, to backcountry hunting, um, we know that that is an endurance event, especially if you guys are spending 50 days, you know, a year, right? Even if it's a, a four or five day hunt, it's, you know, can you log, you know, five to 10 miles a day, four or five days in a row um, at elevation up and down the mountains, you know, maybe not getting the best sleep. Um, and, you know, like you said, Cody, at your peak, you know, you're logging 30, 40 miles a week running to prepare for that. So, you know, that's, that's aerobic capacity. That's building an aerobic base. And one of the, the things that isn't as easily or, or clearly understood by the lay person is, you know, that when we talk about aerobic work, any physical activity that is done as an aerobic uh, activity is using fatty acid oxidation as the fuel source. So that means we're burning isn't able to efficiently do that. Then you're not going to be uh, functioning at the highest, highest capacity that, that this machinery can function at. So, you know, it's, it, that's part of the conversation where we get into, you know, how do we fuel for optimal performance? How do we get this machine running at maximum efficiency um, you know, we've all seen kind of the, uh, uh, the, the push lawnmower or the weed eater that, you know, is, is spewing, you know, dark smoke and, you know, not running clean, right. It, it needs a tune up. Um, you know, that's, that's the average person on the mountain, you know, and, and we're trying to get you to a point where, you know, you're running incredibly smooth and clean and ready to do it again day after day after day. Um, so like I said, we'll come back to, to metabolic flexibility and, and what all that means in, in a second. But, um, you know, the, the statement that you made, Cody, is, is I think the one that, that everybody does. And, and that's, that's kind of what I meant when I said earlier that, that I could probably predict 60% of what is in most people's backcountry menu. Um, and that's because the, the priority has always been on weight and weight first. And then it's calories per ounce or calories per gram. And it's not that we don't want people to think about that. It's just that when that becomes the priority, the emphasis is taken away from how does what I'm eating impact my physiology. And we're just trying to bring that back in as a filter for the decision-making matrix or process in determining, you know, what foods we want to Take. And so, you know, the foods that, that we're going to thrive on in the backcountry are definitely individual. Um, you know, Mike said earlier, we're not dogmatic. So, you know, we're not going to say, hey, you need to be high carb or hey, you need to be keto. Um, that's not what the conversation is about. You know, if, if you do well on, you know, protein and fats, then, you know, maybe slant that way. 
if you do well with a lot of carbs and you find yourself craving those things, then, you know, if we told you to take a jar of almond butter into the mountains, like you're, that's not going to do you any good. Right. So, um, it's not to say that weight doesn't matter. Um, what we'll do, you know, we'll, we'll give you guys a, a link or, or send you an article, however you want to share it, uh, in the show notes or, or kind of to go along with this, but I've got a spreadsheet that I put together for myself and, and we'll share it. And, and it's pretty much the same thing you talked about, Cody, where I've got, um, you know, a day's worth of food, um, you know, by, you know, the food and then how much calories are in there and, and how much it weighs. And, you know, I've got the highest quality healthy food that I, I can come up with that's packable, that doesn't have to be cooked. It's actually a stoveless method, um, 4,000 calories a day. And it's putting me at around eight pounds for five days of food. So it's a little bit heavier than your 14 ounces a day. Um, but it's still like something that I'm comfortable taking into the back country. Um, and you know, the things that I'm trying to avoid, uh, on the mountain are the things that I'm trying to avoid every single day of my life. Um, you know, I don't eat anything that has added sugar. I just don't, um, you know, and again, remember what I said, like I'm the guy that stares at the sun. So I'm on the most intense end of the spectrum and I'm not saying everybody has to do this. Um, but, um, you know, avoiding sugar, I'm avoiding refined or, um, you know, uh, vegetable oils, avoiding, um, you know, anything that's inflammatory. So, you know, the, the bagel that most people put in there, like to me, that's just something that's never going to go in my body. Um, and, and some of the reasons that we want to avoid these things, we can talk about this, we can go as far down this rabbit hole as you want, but just off the top of you know, my head, when we talk about added sugar, um, it, it, it has toxic effects uh, when it is chronically elevated. We actually have a hormone in our body called insulin uh, that regulates the amount of sugar uh, that is in our bloodstream at any given time. Um, that should be a dead giveaway right away because we have a built-in mechanism to control the level of this thing, that it's vitally important that we do control that level. Um, so, uh, you know, sugar, uh, an example of something that sugar can do to our cells is, uh, is called glycation. And if you've ever had a jar of honey or a jar of jelly, and you've noticed how the rim gets uh, sticky after the first time or two of opening the jar, that's an example of a glycation reaction. And so if that happens with our cells over, you think about uh, like when you wake up in the morning and you're sore and you're beat up and things aren't, uh, your muscles aren't sliding and moving the way they should. Um, you know, again, not to say one Snickers bar or one day of eating this way is going to do that, but over a lifetime, this stuff adds up. Um, so, you know, glycation reactions, AGEs, these things lead to accelerated aging. Um, you know, I mentioned vegetable oils. Um, you know, uh, there's, there's a lot of uh, science that kind of refers to them as liquid age. Uh, they disrupt the regulation of blood, blood flow uh, through the brain. Um, they cause our immune system, uh, the white blood cells, to attack the body. That's an autoimmune response. Um, they are inflammatory in the gut, disrupts digestion, the assimilation of nutrients. Um, so, you know, right away, we're looking at things that are, as, as I used that analogy earlier of like a lawnmower or a weed eater that's not running clean, right? These are things that are going to negatively impact the physiology of our body. 
Um, and, and that's just, that's not the way we want to feel or perform when we're on a, a hunt of a lifetime or, you know, when we're on in the mountains doing the thing we've been dreaming about for the last eight, eight months. Um, Mike, you want to add anything or you guys have any questions? I don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole. If you guys got any questions, we, yeah, we can do that. And then, then we can talk a little bit about metabolic flexibility and what that means. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I would jump onto the metabolic, on the flexibility. The, the biggest thing is you're saying the, the calories in calories out and the physiological impact. What are those foods signaling, you know, say, say we go through and I'm, I'm going to pick on Trent here because I know his, his meals for the most part, like you said, it's jerky. Um, it's fruit snacks. Love, love me some yeah. fruit snacks. <laughs> uh, you usually got a, uh, like, a almonds, Right, my yes. heavily, salt, heavily salted almonds, um, a top ramen for lunch, and then a well-rounded beef stroganoff mountain house for dinner. Is that right up your guys' alley, pretty oh, much? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess the one thing I'd say is, have you ever looked at the ingredients in that mountain house thing? I can't read that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, we don't, we don't want to pick on, you know, I mean, I just, I guess just hearing that, like, like some things I would think about right away are, are the sugars. There's going to be added sugars in the jerky. Most likely you're going to get sugars. You're going to get possibly some preservatives in the fruit snacks and you're definitely going to get a lot, some, a bunch of preservatives and a bunch of highly glycemic carbs in, you know, in that mountain house stuff, you know, and, and a lot of the preservatives and you might even get some, some, um, some of these processed oils as Ryan's talking about. And when, when he's talking about that, he means, you know, like corn oil, soybean oil, you know, safflower oil, those oils that are really highly processed and generally speaking liquid at room temperature, although olive oil and there's some others that, that don't quite fit that qualification. But so those are the things that I'd be thinking about when I, when I hear, you know, uh, about what you're, the foods you're taking out, that would be like immediately like, huh, okay, let's, let's take a look at that and see where we can modify that. So Ryan just passed out, I think. <laughs> He's, back. He's back with us now. Let's, uh... what? No, 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 what? no. So, you know, the one thing I'll say, too, is, like, you mentioned, uh, like, highly salted as if that was a bad thing. And this is something that's, that's really interesting conversation, is that sodium is an essential mineral that is required for muscle contractions. Um, you know, so I'm actually worried less about the sodium intake. The one thing I would say is I'm sure that the ramen, especially if you use the flavoring packet, has a lot of sodium, um, plus the sodium from the nuts, plus the sodium that's in the dehydrated meal. Now we're talking about a level, not that I'm worried about that for like hypertension or blood pressure, but if you're backpacking, that's going to actually increase the amount of water that you have to drink. And so now I'm worried about that in terms of you might need to drink four liters of water a day just to balance that out. Whereas if we cut uh, everything but the almonds, you might only need you know, two to two and a half liters of water. Um, and and that, that is a big consideration when we're in the back country and you know, you're talking about either having to carry it in or, or find it or, or something like that. And so mm -hmm. you know, that's just another consideration, again, from the physiological impact that goes beyond the conversation of calories in versus calories out. Um, and, you know, you know, I, I didn't pass out. That's actually a lot better than, you know, you probably think it is in terms of, you know, those meals. The, the thing that like is immediately going through my mind is, okay, what are some swaps that we could make? And like Mike said, the, the jerky, most jerkies are probably going to have a bunch of added sugars. There are a lot of great jerkies out there. Um, 
I would look for one that doesn't have added sugar. Uh, we can give you guys some recommendations later if, if we want. Um, but the jerky's fine. You know, that's, that's definitely a staple in my backpack as well. Um, the nuts, that's fine. Uh, the fruit snacks would be one that I would look for an alternative for. Um, you know, so if we, if you look at the fruit snacks and the ramen, uh, those would be the two that I would try to replace first. Um, I totally understand the, you know, wanting a hot meal at the end of the day, when you get back to camp, I mean, there's just something kind of that, uh, that fills your soul about that, you know, and, um, you know, so I, I would be willing to, to allow, I don't want to say allow, but like to, to let somebody leave that in and say, okay, let's, uh, let's replace the, the ramen, um, and it may not even be the noodles that are the worst part. I, I'd have to read the package and see, but I, I know most of the bad stuff would be in that flavoring packet. So, mm-hmm. you know, can we, can we add that to, you know, something where, you know, it has a, a different flavor and we don't have to have that packet, um, you know, instead of the, the fruit snacks, um, you know, maybe it's, I'm drawing a, a blank cause I'm trying to find a replacement carb and, and I'm not Dr- dried uh, fruit. I mean, or yeah, or something. yeah, dried dried fruit would be a good option there, um, or you know, like a, a packet of a, a nut butter, like a squeeze pack or something like that. That um, you know is actually going to give you more calories per ounce. Um, this is another thing that that fat has an advantage over carbs uh, in this sense because there are nine calories per gram of fat and only four calories per gram of carbohydrate. So you're talk, talking like 2.25 to 2.5 times the amount of calories per gram. So when we're looking at weight as something that's important, um, you know, that's why nuts have always been a staple, um, you know, for, for people in the backcountry. But, you know, I would maybe replace a larger fruit snacks pack with a smaller nut butter pack that probably has 200 calories in it uh, and weighs less. What would I, I, quick question? Um, I think the two th- there's a couple things that I think about when I think about uh, the view of this on nutrition and backcountry and everything. Um, a lot of people are going to be like, "Well, it costs a lot to eat healthy, right?" I mean, cost is a big thing for a lot of people, especially going out of state. You want to cut as much cost as you can. Um, what are some of the things? What would you say to that person? Obviously, it's going to be well. How do you want to feel? Obviously, is what you're going to say first. But what is your um, to eat healthy costs a lot. A lot of times, are you guys pre-doing your meals? Like, are you guys um, uh, not? Are you dehydrating all your meals to, to you have all uh, pre-prepared before you go for each day that you go? Are you guys buying it off the shelves? Obviously, that's expensive as well because um, there's a thousand out there right now, right? There's a ton of uh, get this bar, that protein bar, energy bar, whatever. Um, how are you going about that? And what would you tell that guy that says, Hey man, it's expensive. Um, you know, I I think that's really a matter of, of your own personal wherewithal and what you're willing to do and what you're willing to, you know, to spend. Right. I mean, like you said, I mean, it's expensive to go buy, you know, stuff off the shelf. Um, you know, it's also a lot more work to make it yourself, you know, from, from my perspective, um, you know, I, I like to just say to people, you know, do what you have the ability to do, knowing where you want to, where you want to end up. Right. So, you know, is organic food, you know, incrementally better than non-organic food? Yes, probably in some ways it is, you know, is that not in your budget? Okay. Don't worry about it. Go like where take from your baseline right now. Can, can you go and do it a little bit better? 
right? Can you get more veggies, more meats? And again, this is, yes, we're talking about, you know, packing for a, for a backcountry trip, but this is also on a just, just everyday year round kind of basis, right? Because all that's going to matter even up to the point where you're going and preparing for a backcountry trip, right? So to answer your question more specifically, you know, what I do, um, I like quick and easy. So I do a lot of, like Ryan said, a lot of nut butters. I do a lot of bars. I do a lot. Of, I do off the shelf stuff. I'm not, I don't necessarily for myself, need uh you know a big hot meal at the end of the day um you know some some guys will there's there's ways you can go about doing that if you want to you know put the work in where you can make yourself you know a higher fat higher protein lower carb you know dehydrated meal and you can make those things and prepackage them if you want to do that some some guys are going to want to go down that road you know i don't have a problem doing that necessarily but but it's really you know you got kids you got work you got all this other stuff going on so you know it's really a matter of figuring out for yourself and we can give a lot of options about you know here's a good bar here's a good way to think about it you know so for instance since I, I just had a, a thought about your about your ramen and what you guys are talking about there, like for me, you know, yeah, the noodles might not be the biggest issue. So what would you do to replace that that packet of, of seasoning? So you know, go to the store, find yourself a low sodium, you know, good quality chicken bouillon cube, and take a stick of butter with you. Right, throw that in there with the water, throw some butter in there. You all, all of a sudden you've increased your fat. You've got you know you're decreasing your sodium a little bit, so you don't have a huge sodium load from all the other stuff you're eating. And all of a sudden you've got a, a really a much better fuel source than just, you know, a 99 cent packet of ramen with some MSG and some, you know, some chicken flavor in there. Sure. So that, that kind of thing. Um, and, and, you know, it may take a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of thought and a little bit of creativity, but you know, you can, you can make and find those substitutions, you know, fairly easily. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think the thing Mike said that Mike said that I agree with and, and was going through my head was that, you know, the, really the decision, there, especially regarding cost is the same decision you're going to face, you know, every single day of the year that you're not in the mountains. Right. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's what, what, what line are you drawing in the sand for what you deem acceptable, uh, to put in your body. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, I've heard, I've heard the advice around optics, you know, where, where somebody says buy the best optics you can afford. Um, you know, we, we, we face, you know, the same, kind of uh, dilemma or question when we look at camo, right? You know, uh, there's a lot of camo out there and, and other types of gear that are um, priced at different levels, right? And, you know, do you have to buy the most expensive camo? Do you have to buy the most expensive gun to be successful? Absolutely not. Um, some people do. Some people are extremely successful, you know, without buying you know, the most expensive stuff. Um, so I, I think it's just, it's a matter of, you know, like Mike said, kind of figuring out where you are and, and what uh, your budget allows and, and being creative, um, you know, to answer your question specifically, Trent, um, there are definitely ways that you can do, uh, do it yourself, dehydrated meals, um, put them in those, those Mylar bags and seal them. And then like Mike said, when you get to camp, uh, or you put the hot water in, throw in some, uh, you know, packets of butter or coconut oil and boost your fat content. You can put in, um, you know, noodles or, or something like that. Um, and then there, there's also, you know, in this spreadsheet that I have that we'll share with you guys, I've got a couple of recipes for, uh, you know, I figured out a way to do like burritos, make them at home and bring them on the trip. And, and I think... Uh, I don't know I have it in front of me, but I think it was like, I think I had 800 calories 
um, and five day prep. Um, and, and so, you know, there's a way to do that with, you know, using, you know, pick your meat. And then there's kind of like a template of, you know, like, do you want corn tortillas? Do you want whole wheat tortillas? Do you want gluten-free tortillas that you can only buy at Whole Foods and they cost $10 a package, you know, to answer your question, right? Like you, you pick the one that's at your level. And then for the meat, you know, are you going and buying meat or are you using meat from, you know, a, a successful hunt last year? Um, you know, and, and so again, all of those choices are, are changing the price point of these things. Um, you know, and then you pick, you know, do you want to put eggs in there? Do you want to put sweet potatoes in there? Do you want to put, uh, you know, add guacamole? Like there's a bunch of different ways that you can, you know, play with the flavor profile and you can make different burritos for different days. And, um, yeah, so I, again, it's, it's, just putting some thought into it and being creative and figuring out, okay, what, what's acceptable for me? What am I trying to achieve here? Um, you know, what are, are, are any of the other constraints that I'm working with to try to get this to, uh, to come together? I just got to add, I always, I always kind of have to smile when I see videos of, of guys sitting around a campfire at night and they're fully decked out in their Sitka with their brand new <laughs> F-250 in the background and they're cooking a can of Dinty Moore stew over the fire. It's like, well, you know, that's, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. you know, I mean, that's kind of the thing, right? I mean, we all love the camo and the, and the, and the expensive guns and bows and trucks and this and that, but, you know, at the end of the day, we're, we're, we're trying to be successful in, 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 you know, hunting an elk or hunting a deer or whatever. And what's going to allow us to, to be more successful. Is it that, you know, a thousand dollars set of camo or is it, you know, getting our ass up the mountains, excuse me, and, and, you know, doing it efficiently and, and, you know, not, not hurting. I mean, that's really what we get, what it, what it comes down to, you know. Cody, anything to add to that? Uh, no, I mean, I, I think you guys are spot on on it. It's like the, I, you, you can, like you said, be at the spectrum of staring into the sun or in a cave in the dark. And I think I would say a, a vast majority of our listeners have, have heard us talk about, you know, you just got to go do it. I think a lot of people may get scared of like, if I don't do it to the level of staring in the sun, I'm going to fail. So trying to like encourage that, like you got to, there's a baseline you have to start at and work through each step going through the process and know like, Hey, that, that was too extreme for me. It, it killed my mental fortitude. And, and I already felt like I failed before I started. So I quit it, you know, so trying to like get people, you know, get started, take the first step, evaluate where you're at and then, you know, set those goals to move forward at it. Um, and I, th I think that's a, 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 you know, from my perspective, listening to you guys, I, I'm sitting here on the, on the going, my motivation's low to go out running. I've been in isolation. My diet selection is not the best here. What can I do? Cause I, I don't like the way I feel right now. Um, you know, what, what do I need to do to make myself feel better and go do those things that I want to do? So, so I will just jump in here and I'll say, you know, what you just said about start where you are and, and progress. Like, I mean, that's, that's gold. And, and I'm kind of kicking myself for not having said that at the very beginning. You know, I always remind people when they see me in person or talk to me about what I'm doing. Um, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm the person that's staring at the sun in terms of like intensity, but my knowledge base hasn't always been what it is. When I first started, yeah, I was that intense about like being committed to what I thought was the best, but what I thought was the best was terrible when I first got started. 
I've been doing what I'm doing in regards to nutrition for, you know, 15 years. And, and when I think about how I ate 14 years ago, I laugh and, and it was not the way I would eat now, but that was what I thought was the best. And, and I was committed to, you know, doing that and, and not falling short of, of that commitment uh, at that time. And so, you know, the, like you said, the point is, you know, start where you are, take baby steps. And if, if you're the person who, you know, your day pack is two Snickers bars, you know, maybe we, like we, like Mike said, cut that down to one Snickers bar and, you know, you replace one Snickers bar with something that is a little bit healthier. And then maybe next year, you know, that goes down to no Snickers bars and, you know, whatever else. Um, and, you know, the, the other thing, you know, Cody, you said, and especially now is, as we're all trying to figure out how to maintain our sanity uh, while we're all cooped up inside, um, feelings are defined by neuroscientists as mental experiences of physiological states. Feelings are mental experiences of physiological states. So a mental experience is what's going on between your ears. Physiological experience or physiological state is your body state. So what's going on, you know, from your ears down is determining what's happening between your ears. And that's really, really powerful information when we start saying things like, I don't like the way I feel. I want to change the way I feel. I want to change the thoughts that are in my head. Uh, we've all seen the meme that says, you know, you're one workout away from a better mood. Well, that's why. If I put 30 seconds on the clock and said, do as many jumping jacks as you can in 30 seconds, your physiology will change and your headspace will be different in 30 seconds, right? Um, that's just an example of, of something we could do. That's not necessarily a recommendation, but keeping that in mind, that, that again goes back to what Mike said earlier, that, that the physical side of this and the nutrition are inextricably linked. The things that we're putting into our body are impacting what's going on. And then that is in turn having an impact on what's going on between our ears. And so again, as we look at how this impacts a hunt, you know, we don't want to be fatigued. We don't want to be making bad decisions. We don't want to be struggling or, or, you know, dealing with, you know, this sucks. Um, you know, we want to be in that place where, you know, our brain is, is electric. It's on fire. We're feeling good. We're optimistic. Um, you know, we're not beating ourselves up for missed opportunities or, or whatever. Um, so you know, again, this is, this conversation to us is again, it's just, it's about so much more than calories in versus calories out. And I just wanted to add real, real quick, Trent, what you said before about, you know, where you're at physically and maybe nutritionally or whatever, and, and using that mental fortitude to sort of power through, right? Well, imagine if you match that level of mental fortitude with 10% better performance or 20% better performance from a nutritional and physical fitness. Standpoint. Absolutely. Imagine what you could do with that. I mean, because I, I've relied on that. I still rely on that. I mean, my mental fortitude is a huge part of what I can do in the mountains, but it's also matched with pretty dialed in nutrition and pretty dialed in fitness. And the, the combination is like, I mean, that's ultra powerful, right? I mean, th there's absolutely no discounting that mental fortitude piece of it. And, and, you know, like Ryan's saying, you start making those connections, it's all connected. Our mental fortitude and our capacity is connected to how we feel 
physiologically, right? And how we and how we feel physio physiologically is dictated in large to large extent by what we put in our bodies and what we do with our bodies on a daily basis. And it just stems from there too to the confidence of like we talked about shooting. We, I mean, it, it just it yeah. just has that That's right. building blocks right there. It's it's, it's amazing to where it's, mm -hmm. you, know, you feel invincible and a lot of the times you are. You know? Yeah, right. So, what were you going to say, uh, Code? You guys have. Uh, I have a question on it. I'm not sure you guys have referred to non-dogmatic. Uh, I'm clueless in this definition of that. So I'm interesting to hear what, what you guys are, are referring to about that. So all, all we're, all we're meaning is, is we're, we're not going to tell you really, this is the best way. And this is, this is the way you need to do things, you know? So I, Ryan before uh, brought up the, that four letter word keto, and that's probably a lot of guys out there rolling their eyes and you know, all this keto diet and all this stuff. Well, um, you know, that uh, lends itself, uh, particularly in social media and whatnot these days to a very dogma dogmatic approach. Like you need to be mm. keto to lose weight. You need to do it this way. You need to do a certain amount of fat and this certain amount of carbs and this and that. Well, you know, for us, you know, uh, the, the, the eating, you know, a ketogenic state, or, or I don't know if you guys are how familiar you are with, the, with, with keto, but, you know, using that sort of dietary paradigm as a tool is really where we're coming from. It ha you know, for, for, for Ryan and I, it has great value for certain things. But it's not like we were telling everybody that, you know, that you really need to be keto. Like, to, to, to do your best and perform your best, you need to be keto. That's just not true. You can't make blanket statements like that across the board. And that's really what we mean by, by being non-dogmatic. If, if people just, you know, love carbs and want to stay on a, you know, there's better ways to do carbs, right? There are better carbs than others. You know, a sweet potato is a hell of a lot better than a Snickers bar, put it that way. Um, so that's, that's really what we're talking about. Are you guys into the okay. keto? Are you, do you guys both uh, do the keto thing? We do. Yeah. Um, and so maybe I'll, I'll just uh, take this time to, to kind of explain the concept of metabolic flexibility and what we're talking about there, because that sort of relates. Um, so uh, just to define metabolic flexibility, we're, 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 I know, I think Ryan went over it before. We, we generally use, you know, uh, carbohydrates as a fuel source and fats are a fuel source as well. Now, protein as a third macronutrient uh, has, has a different function. Um, so we generally won't talk about that when we talk about metabolic flexibility. But really, that idea is to be able to, uh, well, to train your body to be able to switch back and forth between, between fuel sources, between burning fat and burning carbohydrates. And most of us on what we refer to as a standard American diet, we eat a ton of carbs, right? We're eating breads and pastas and, and you know, this and that, and some, you know, some meat and whatnot, and hopefully some veggies, but, but really it's a, it's a carb centric, a carb heavy type diet. And so, you know, when we're eating like that, we really train our bodies to sort of as efficiently as possible use carbohydrates as a fuel source. And we, we sort of leave fats, uh, you know, we, we don't burn fats as well. We, we have some physiological changes that happen there. You know, from a historical perspective, we were actually meant to burn fats as efficiently as, as carbohydrates, right? And they have different metabolic reactions um, for us. Um, but we can, when we, when we, train ourselves to be metabolically flexible, we actually aim towards more of a fat burning process in our bodies. We, we, we can, like I say, train ourselves to be, to, to burn those fats more efficiently and to create this fuel source, you know, called ketones that we use in our bodies. I'm trying not to get too technical about it at this point, but so once you, once you go through that process of, of retraining your body, how to burn fats efficiently, um, then you can kind of switch back and forth. Um, and when you, when you can do that, we, we tend to burn, 
burn carbohydrates preferentially. So if you're eating some carbs, but you're, you, you're, you're trained, you've trained your body how to burn fats, you know, you can, you can burn those carbs initially, and then you, you can switch right over into burning fats. Right. And, and there's more nuance to it. And Ryan can maybe go into that a little bit, but, but just as, as sort of a, a hook into why this may, might be valuable um, for people. Um, we have a certain potential to store carbohydrates as glycogen in our, in our bodies, right? And, and you, you know, you kind of read different things, but in general, we can store somewhere between 1,500 and 2,400 calories worth of, of carbohydrates as fuel in our bodies, right? As glycogen, you know, either in our livers or muscles and, and in our bloodstream. So, um, and, and Ryan's, you know, kind of did, did the math on this a little bit, but uh, even a, a really lean person, say a 200 pound guy, right? has 10% body fat. That's really, really lean. Okay. So that means they have 10% of their body weight is 20 pounds of, of body fat. Right. And so I think it's about 3,400 calories, uh, in each pound of body fat, something like that, Ryan. Um, so you think about that 3,400 times 20 and all of a sudden you're talking, you know, 50, 60, 70, 80,000 calories worth of available, you know, fuel in your bodies that you're just carrying around anyway. Right. And most of us don't leverage that. Most of us have, we, we're eating carbs. And so our bodies don't really know how to use that very efficiently, um, if at all. So we're not, we're not switching into that state and burning that when we're, when we're low on carbs. So, you know, endurance athletes and, and, you know, back on trainers are familiar with the concept of bonking, right? When your body's really just trained how to use, trained how to use carbohydrates. And all of a sudden you're burning and carbohydrates burn very, very quickly. And you fuel up on them, and all of a sudden you're 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 going hard in the mountains. You're chasing down elk. You're, you know, you might forget to eat your Snickers bar, and all of a sudden, wham! You feel terrible, right? Your 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 mental state. You're foggy. You're not making good decisions. You know, you're blowing out elk left left and right. You're you're do, just doing <laughs> dumb shit in the mountains, right? And you and you feel awful. Well, all right. Then you eat a Snickers bar, and all of a sudden it's like the commercial. You feel great again. Wham! I'm like, <laughs> here I go. And so you know, if if you train yourself to be metabolically flexible, you're going to, you're, you're going to avoid that process uh, to, to a great extent. Right. Gotcha. And so that's kind of what we're, what we're talking about. Yeah. Mike nailed that. And you know, the, the fact that people bonk and I mean, the fact that you guys last, like it tells me that you've probably experienced that or, or have seen people experience that. Um, the fact that, I mean, let's just think about it. There's an entire industry built on bonking and fueling with carbohydrates, like mm. all the gels and goods and gel, yeah, packs, exactly. all yeah. that stuff. You know, if, if, and if you think about who the target market is for those, it's quote unquote endurance athletes, right? Well, if at some point during the training, if instead of just training the body to perform, if the diet had been worked into the training protocol, and this is where we really get to uh, performance optimization. We start matching fuel system uh, usage, fuel utilization with fuel availability. And that's what metabolic flexibility is. It's the ability to utilize the fuel that is available. And so, you know, if you are fat adapted, if you have great metabolic flexibility, you can burn through the carbohydrates that are available as glycogen, but then efficiently and effectively switch to use fat as a fuel source, remember we said earlier, uh, aerobic work is using fatty acid oxidation. Uh, so to be able to then tap into that enormous store 
of fat as energy. And that's all body fat is just energy stored for later use. And we're biologically designed to do that. Um, if you think about human history, we have not had the availability of food that we suddenly had maybe 50 or a hundred years ago. Right? So our bodies, uh, our, our biology is designed to store this stuff and then tap into it later. And only in the last hundred years with, you know, food availability that we have, have we, changed our lifestyles. You know, our lifestyles now don't match our biology. Our biology hasn't had enough time to, to change and catch up to that. And so, you know, as Mike pointed out with the example of the bonk, um, you know, we're, if you bonk in those instances, then, you know, that's a, a clear signal that you don't have that metabolic flexibility that we're talking about. Because I know in theory and on paper, it sounds like, oh, well, like that's what my body's supposed to do. And, and I know I can do that. But if you've been in that point where you are doing crazy things in the mountains or you're foggy and, and you just like, I've got to sit down and I've got to have more sugar, then that's a clear giveaway that, that your body isn't switching fuel sources the way it should be. So like what would be the steps? And I'm not like, I know there's not just a, a light switch, right. But like, what are the steps to go? Okay. I, I mean, last year on the, or two years ago on the expo death hike, on like mile 26 on the first day I bonked hard after this big climb took some water got some carbs in and and was able to carry on but if if I'm and I'm how would I prevent that diet wise like is that a month process is that a year process what's the it depends on the individual um and it, it really, it's, it's less of a eat this like dietary protocol and more of a, too much talking with my hands. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I knocked the phone off. Ninja uh, chopped the phone. <laughs> I did. Um, <laughs> So it's, it's more about, you know, where your metabolic function is. And so really another way of talking about a lack of metabolic flexibility is really to say that we have metabolic dysfunction. And now we're starting to get into kind of that boundary of, you know, are we talking about medical intervention? You know, how much of this is, you know, beyond just food recommendations. Uh, and so that's where it gets very individualized. And, and like you said, you know, for some people that might take a month to make that transition. And for other people, it might take a year uh, or more. Um, but, you know, we definitely want to work towards reducing the dependence on external carbohydrates for a fuel source. Um, and so there's a lot of different ways that we can approach that. Um, and, and again, like that goes back to where, you know, why Mike and I say we're not dogmatic. Um, you know, the, the training equivalent of that would be, you know, the guy that gets on Instagram and is like, Oh, if you don't do CrossFit, then you don't even do fitness, bro. Like, <laughs> you know, or like, what, you don't use kettlebells. Like you're not a real fitness guy. Like, you know, we're not married to a single modality. Um, I, I can't speak for Mike, but I doubt that any of any two of our clients that we work with follow the exact same template or, or structure. I mean, it's very individualized. Interesting. Gotcha. Essentially, if you're staring at the sun, you just eat butter for 10 days and you're good to go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, not kid, like, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Nobody do that, please. No, it's interesting because like uh, 
Well, on our first land of the free, Trent hunted with Jason Phelps in Montana. And the transition that I saw from when he hunted there to the following year where Dirk and him and I went on a trip in Colorado, the first four days of the trip, those Dirk and uh, Jason were both keto. And the energy, like watching Jason, he pulled out macadamia nuts, cheese, uh, fatty salamis, um, MCT oil. And that was like the basis of his diet. And he did great where he said the year previous when he was with Trent in Montana was like the worst shape of his life and felt like junk. You know, I mean, yeah, there's a big transition in a year's time, but it was a, that was a total morph on what he ate, consumed total lifestyle change. Um, I think he's still pretty strong on it. I don't know. I think Dirk's kind of fallen off the wagon. Sorry to run over run over the bus with <laughs> put it in reverse and go yeah, yeah yeah i drug it a little no, bit on that but it, yeah no so like i guess where's the balance of like how do i know what i need to do to get in that metabolic flexibility i mean one of the things that, that i think is is very valuable is to test all these things for yourself and you know we're we're at a time of the year where uh, under normal circumstances, we would all be out, you know, whether it's shed hunting or bear hunting or, or whatever. And, and I would say, um, and even if it's not in that, that sense, if it's just, you know, long hikes over the summer as you're training, um, you know, to start testing some of these protocols and see, you know, what setups, uh, how these setups work for you um, and how they can be worked into, you know, what you're doing, um, you know, so that by the time you get to the actual hunt, you know how it's going to affect you. It's the same as, again, same as what we talked about with, with shooting. You know, if you get the BDX system or if you get a new bow, like you want to know how it's going to work before you're out there when it counts. And so, um, you know, maybe uh, as you go through some of your longer training rucks or, or heavy hikes or, or different things like that, you know, test, uh, you know, carb timing or having no carbs and doing keto, uh, you know, all those different things to see how they work for you. Um, you know, and to your point about, you know, the, those guys and, and their experience with keto, um, you know, as we said earlier, it, it's very easy to pack a whole lot more calories, um, you know, when you're using fats as opposed to carbs, especially uh, when you're keeping the weight down. Um, you know, and there's still a couple of other hidden advantages that, that we really haven't talked about with keto yet that, that, uh, can make you a little bit more oxygen efficient, um, which is obviously an advantage if you're at altitude and there's less oxygen in the air. Um, you know, so, uh, I mean, now, Mike, anything you would want to add? Um, yeah. So, so just as a, a little bit more of maybe how to, how to think about it and how to go about it when you, when you test these things, you know, it may be as simple as, you know, get yourself a, uh, self a few packs of nut butter or some coconut oil or, you know, some jerky cheese, whatever that's, that's low carb, you know, and take those for a day and you go out shed hunting, you go out bear hunting and whatever, not like, you know, buy this stuff for a, a five day trip, but take it out for a day or you're going to work out and also go get yourself a, a, you know, a little bit higher carb bar or two. Right. And then try to like intentionally fuel yourself with the fat heavy stuff. See how you do, because as you go throughout the day, you're going to naturally sort of deplete your glycogen, your glycogen levels, right? Your stores of that. And you know, if you can fuel with fat, see how you do with that, you know? And then if you end up feeling bad, you can always go to one of those little higher carb bars. So that's sort of an idea of how you can pull that off just as a, as a more practical, 
practical standpoint. Um, you know, and then uh, you know, talking about some of the some of the things about keto that that, that um, you know can can actually be really really beneficial outside of just the fueling uh, perspective of it. Um, you know. Um, Ryan mentioned the oxygen utilization. So just a little bit deeper on that. So when, when we burn, whether it's carbohydrates or, or, or fats as fuels, oxygen is a part of that process, right? Um, and so, and we can talk, you know, <laughs> go down a rabbit hole there as far as, you know, oxidative stress and all those other things. But, but really we use a certain amount of oxygen when we're burning carbohydrates and we use a certain amount when we're burning fats for fuel. Essentially what it boils down to is really our body needs on a physiological level, less oxygen per unit of fat burned than carbohydrates, right? So really what that means from a practical standpoint is that we need to intake take less oxygen into our bodies when we're burning fat as fat for fuel. So, you know, someone like Ryan coming from sea level, you know, coming to Montana, you know, it's really, really hard to pull off that, that elevation style training, you know, with oxygen levels and whatnot. If you, if you, aim for and end up in keto before you come here to Montana, right, with, with your, your base elevation is 5,000 feet, you know, and you're going and hunting up at eight, nine, ten thousand 10,000 feet at times, you know, all of a sudden, you, you know, you're, you're, from a physiological perspective, you need less oxygen if you're, if you're in keto and burning fats for fuels. So he's got a step up on that training at, you know, at elevation. Right. So that's, that's one pretty major, you know, uh, benefit of, of, of using ketones for fuel, using fat for fuel. The other, the other one, and this is also, you know, you don't really think about this when we hear a lot about inflammation. And, you know, as we get older, you know, we've, we talked a little bit about this at different points, but, you know, any kind of chronic pain you're feeling, any, any you know, any low level in it, and particularly if you're, if you're using carbohydrates for fuels and simple sugars for fuels, you're going to have uh, a certain level of inflammation all the time, systemic inflammation is like all total, all body inflammation. Right. And so all of us that are, you know, anybody who's, who's eating a regular standard American diet or, you know, whatever the case may be, alcohol causes it, different things has, has a certain level of inflammation all the time that you just, that you just live with. Right. And you sort of get used to it and it's not a big deal usually. Well, when you're in the mountains and, and you're, you know, hiking five, 10, 15 miles a day at elevation and, you know, and you, and you, you know, you go to bed, you wake up the next morning and you just feel awful. You're sore, your joints hurt, you know, you're, you're again, lack of motivation. You don't want to get out of bed. Well, a lot of that has to do with inflammation and the, uh, being in ketosis, there's the, 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 the main ketone that we use as fuel source is called beta hydroxybutyrate. And the presence of that in our bloodstream has really, has been shown by studies to decrease some markers of inflammation just by the presence of, of this, this ketone body. So, you know, pretty, pretty useful tool in the toolbox for, for lots of, lots of reasons. So if, how long would, I mean, I guess it's, this may be an individual question, individuality question, but typically if I said, okay, I'm going to try to switch to key to get in ketogenesis, how long does that take? What, what are the steps there? How do I monitor that? And then like, if, if you're going about from a day to day test, like, can your body adjust back and forth like that when you're talking about trying a day with, you know, a fat fuel versus a carb fuel? Like what, what happens there? Yeah. So, so once you train your body how to burn fats uh, as fuel, you can switch back and forth very, very quickly and very seamlessly. Right. So once you, you know, you, you kind of get that's that the state. metabolic flexibility. Yeah. That's okay. right. 
that's that's okay. flexible. Yeah, yeah, and and, and yeah, you're right. Um, you know, it, it's really an individual thing. You know, and a lot of it has to do. I think Ryan said before about what your current state is, as far as you know, if you are, if, if you're eating a ton of processed foods and you're in the super high carbohydrates, a lot of added sugars, all this, and and sort of the standard American diet and fast food, even whatever, it's going to take you a lot longer to transition to a, a, a metabolically flexible state. You know, physiologically than it would for someone who eats, you know, salads and, and, and meats. And even if they're not organic, doesn't that, none of that really matters. It's a, it's a matter of, you know, where, where you're at currently, right. And, and how much of that you eat and, and from, you know, from a genetic perspective, what your, what your physiological baseline is as well. So there's a lot of different factors there. You know, I think, you know, if you're coming from a pretty good place and you eat sort of quote unquote healthy, you know, and, and you, and you, and you're, you're kind of person who looks at the sun, you could probably make some pretty good headway on that in, you know, a couple weeks, you know, um, whether that's a fully, you know, metabolically flexible, as good as you're going to get, maybe not, you know, that may take, like Ryan said, six months or a year or more. Um, you know, there's some studies around athletes trying to transition and whatnot. And, and they're still seeing this sort of transitional period going out to, you know, a year or so, you know, from, from these athletes that are trying to switch to a metabolically flexible uh, paradigm. So it really just depends, but, you know, to, to, to kind of start thinking about it and start maybe practicing and, and aiming in that direction. You know, I think, I mean, there's a lot of resources out there as far as, you know, a ketogenic diet and, and what, what some ketogenic foods are, um, you know, and, and really it's, it's, you know, essentially it's a matter of increasing your intake of fat and decreasing your intake of carbohydrates really that's at, at its core that's really what it's what it's going to be and and again that may look completely different for, di for different people but i think you know if we hold that as as sort of you know the 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 aim or the goal you know that's what we're going to do over the course of time um you know that's going to get us there at some point ryan you may have a little more specific. yeah the only thing i would add to that is you know um I, i've just i've seen a lot of people who uh, you know would want to experiment with this and then, you know, they'll eat high fat, low carb for two days and they'll say, Oh, well I'm, I'm keto now. And if you've never done that, keto, bro, right. Like if, <laughs> if, if you've never done this That's before, no, that, you, you don't get into ketosis that quickly, especially the first time. And I think the worst thing that you could do for yourself is to, uh, to try it um, and, and to not allow yourself the, the patience and the time that is required to actually get into real metabolic ketosis. Um, and, you know, it, it, as Mike said, you know, if you've never done that before, it, it could take as many as seven to 10 days. And, and I'll just be honest, you know, because I think it's a disservice not to be, you know, if you've never done that before, there is a very real thing called the keto flu where Sorry. maybe from like day two to day like seven until you actually get into ketosis, you feel very foggy, very sluggish. And that's a very, again, it's a clear giveaway that your body is struggling to switch fuel sources. And the fact that it takes five days to switch and turn on the new one should show you how inflexible your metabolism is at that point. And again, that's why we're saying it's so important to be able to have that flexibility. Uh, I'll use myself as, a, as an example. You know, I bounce back and forth between, you know, having carbs and not having carbs. My training today was very different than what I've been doing for the last few days. 
And it was a training that, that I felt like required carbs. So I had a very high carb day today and low fat. Um, I will go back to uh, eating more uh, low carb and, and more, you know, higher fat style starting tomorrow. Um, if I were to go on a long hike tomorrow, I could probably wake up on day three and be in ketosis. Um, you know, a long walk, a long hike, like that, that low intensity aerobic work can help get us into a ketogenic state a little bit quicker. So if you're somebody who's struggling through that keto flu, uh, low intensity aerobic work can actually help get there a little bit quicker. Um, so I think, I mean, those are just some of the things that I would throw out to, as just like real world expectations uh, if somebody was going to go down that road. Cool. Sweet. Um, so is there a good resource that you guys have that our listeners could jump on right now to kind of to dial in some of this stuff and kind of talk a little bit more about uh, your event coming up here in May? Yeah, so we're going to send you guys an article uh, that we put together. And, you know, it, whether it's uh, a link in the show notes or, or however you guys want to share that, you know, we'll have kind of what we've been talking about laid out in kind of our article form. Um, and then we'll also have the, uh, the Google sheet that I mentioned a couple of times with, with some of my numbers and some of the stuff I've played with. Uh, I'm more than happy to share that with folks as well. Um, and, and then, uh, you know, we have the Eventbrite page for the event, but again, uh, probably going to have to cancel the in-person version of that. And, uh, we may do it online as a virtual thing. So I haven't made that decision yet. So, um, I don't know, Mike, any other resources that you would want to uh, point people towards? Um, yeah, I mean, I'd be happy, you know, if you guys wanted to put contact information for us in, in the show notes or whatever, you know, I'm ha always happy to answer questions or help people out or whatever, uh, just just one-on-one -on -one personally as well. So, um, you know, that's that's pretty that's pretty easy. I mean, you know, as far as giving specific resources, there's about 4 million different places you can go out there to get keto right. and, you know, whatever. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, you got to be a little careful. Uh, you know, like I say, that, a lot of that stuff is pretty dogmatic and a lot of, you know, so, yeah, I mean, if I think, you know, if people resonate with, with what we're talking about in our perspective, you know, I mean, I've got Facebook, Ryan's got, you know, we got, we got Instagram accounts, we got email addresses, people can reach out to us too. Um, you know, I won't speak for you, Ryan, but yeah, I'm, I'm happy to talk to people about it. That may be at least initially, um, and I'm happy to share, you know, particular individual resources that way as well. So that's, that may be an easier way to go. It's um, awesome, guys. No, it's, it's good. Everybody has different levels, I think, as far as where they're at right now. And now is, I think, a good time. I mean, realistically, would you guys say anybody, I mean, we have the time now at being, what is it, March, April, we have the time before season to get ourselves in shape and ready to rock and roll for the mountains. And, and if it's something that, you know, you're listening to this and you're just like, man, I... You know, that's me. He's talking to me right now. Check out the show notes and, and get on some of this stuff. And, and uh, I, I know I'm going to, actually, personally, just because, I mean, I've been just starting the last couple of weeks to do a lot better on that kind of stuff. So, anyway, so I'll definitely be in touch with you guys. I have the Likewise. No, I'm nice. <laughs> yeah. It's been one that even, well, over the course of the, the weekend, my wife was like, you literally have not done anything today. And I, I, I just felt like garbage. And it was, I ate like garbage. I slept crappy. I, I mean, my physical activity is as low as it's been. And it's not, you know, a state that I want to. Uh, coming on a, a bear hunt where I'm going to be in one of the deepest river gorges in North America. And 
it's the biggest, you know, I'm, I'm going to be in terrible shape and coming up and yeah, it's, it's just reality of it, right? I'll we'll, we'll it. respect that. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's not going to be you fun. Know, so. so as, as Mike and I have been trying to figure out, you know, how to uh, share our thoughts and, and communicate this with the, the hunting community, one of the things that we had talked about was, you know, we just, we, we need to get in with some hunters who, you know, have a following and, you know, we need to be able to work with them and have them have the best season of their lives and feel the best. And you guys just opened the door for that. So uh, <laughs> we, we're going to, we're going to, we'll, we will take this as a personal challenge to help you guys have the best September, October, November that you ever had. Um, and and then, you know, maybe you guys can be the evangelist and, and we won't have to be the ones out there banging the drum saying, uh, you know, nutrition is important. I love it. That sounds awesome. That sounds really cool. All you got to do is just find a little bit of willpower, peel yourself off the couch, go get a 50 pound bag of sand, put it in your backpack and go walk around the block and grab some, grab a couple packs of almond butter and eat those. That's a start. It's a start. That's the the worst thing is I literally, I have a a half mile, 550 foot elevation gain gravel road, literally out my driveway. There you go. Oh dude. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. That's awesome. Hill repeats. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well guys, I just thank you guys so much for coming on here. Uh, Man, time flies when you're having fun. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> it's a while. So thank you guys so much. And uh, thank everybody for listening to this as well. And anyway, again, check out the show notes below. And, and if it's something that, uh, that you're into, try it out, guys. Be the best person that you can be this next hunting season. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Sweet. All right. Really appreciate it. Yep. Yeah, thank yeah you guys. guys. Just want to thank you again for tuning in and listening to the Born and Raised Audio Experience. Really appreciate your time and your ears. Uh, If we brought any value today, if you could do us one favor, just take a screenshot of this podcast and share it with your buddy or post on social. It would mean the world to us. And and two, if if you're in need of Onyx Hunt app, we've got a discount code, enter BRO, you can save 20% on sign up. So thanks again for listening. Stay tuned for more.